0: Hey, this is Into the Greenwood. I'm Kathy,
1: And I'm Rosie, and today we're looking at a murder ballad called The Trois Sisters.
2: Probably a bit of a content warning for the fact that it's got yeah. some grim parts to the story yeah. that obviously we'll talk through in the analysis.
1: Probably, I would probably say body horror. Yeah. But it's an
0: interesting one, and um, if you're up for it, I hope you enjoy Once there were two
1: sisters, both daughters to a king. The elder was dark and the younger was fair, with milk-white skin and long yellow locks. One day to the castle came a knight, and he wooed the elder sister with many a gift, glove and ring, brooch and knife. But it was the younger who he loved with all his heart. The older sister could not rest for grief and envy, so one clear morning she said to the younger, Come down to the river with me, and we can watch our father's ships come in. She took her by her pale hand and down to the river they went and the youngest stood upon a rock to look out across the water. Then the older came up behind her and threw her into the river. Sister called the younger trying to swim. Take my hand and all my lands will be yours. I'll not take your hand and all your lands will be mine, said the older. Save my life, cried the younger and my true love William will be yours. I'll not save your life and William will be mine said the older, as the current swept the younger away. She was carried far by the river, sometimes swimming, sometimes sinking, until she came to a mill dam. Out came the miller's daughter to fetch water for bread. She saw her and cried, Father, draw the dam, it's either a lady or a milk-white swan. They pulled the younger sister from the water, but she was already drowned. They could not see her fine neck for all the golden chains draped around it nor her narrow waist for her golden girdle, nor her lily feet for her beautiful silver shoes. Then to the mill came a fair fiddler. From her breastbone he made a fiddle and strung it with her blue veins. From her nose he made a bridge and from her finger bones he made pegs. Last he made a bow from her long yellow hair. He took the fiddle to the king's court to play a spring, but all the fiddle would sing was, O yonder is my father the king, or yonder sits my mother the queen. Or yonder is my sister that
0: drowned me. So on a spectrum of a goose's
2: thrapple <laughs> to the seal hunter's knife. How do we feel about this story? How do we feel about this story?
1: Um, I am going to rate it strings from her blue veins. It's okay it's off the charts. It's really <laughs> freaky <laughs> it makes me uncomfortable
2: okay that's fair yeah I um I tried to have one of the ends of the scale as a knife just for the general morbid character of the story but yeah it's you're right it's off the charts it's the blue veins
1: yeah (laughs) i don't think there's anything in any of the stories we've looked at before that are like this unsettling Mm. i mean i like it it's like creepy and weird and different from what we've looked
2: at before um but yeah yeah and i think a lot of old folk tales are actually so much more gory than we think of them as being this is definitely mm. more unsettling than a lot of them but, yeah I mean like original Cinderella to Disney Cinderella significantly less foot chopping yeah you
1: know. yeah I think what maybe strikes me is different with this like it's definitely it's like yeah this is a gory fairy tale mm-hmm um, but with, like, the things like the foot chopping, it's almost like, ah, well, I I need my foot to fit into this shoe, so I guess I'll just make my foot smaller. Yeah. Um, but this one is, like, making a human corpse into a musical instrument is the solution to this problem.
2: Oh, but is it? Is it? I'm just not I sure mean, that I agree.
1: According to the story, <laughs> it is, but like. Yeah.
2: According to the film yeah. that we
1: will talk about later, for sure. Yeah. I just wanted to say it has a bunch of different names. Um, mm. So those are the Twa Sisters, the Cruel Sister, the Miller and the King's Daughter, the Bonnie Mill Dams of Benori, the Wind and Rain, the Dreadful Wind and Rain, the Bonnie Swans, and the Bonnie uh bows or bows of London. I didn't I couldn't decide. So first off, um I just wanted to note about the um really blatant like fair haired character versus mm-hmm. dark haired character. Mm-hmm. Uh it's quite aggressive in this story. It happens all the time. Um but I just thought I would just like look slightly into the general history of that as a thing Mm -hmm. um so we see it in ancient greece um and that's basically just because blonde hair was a rarer color um so people were more interested in it and i kind of feel like there's definitely like a big dark versus light evil versus good thing but i think it's a bit more about blonde hair being good, and less about dark hair being evil, because everyone had dark hair. Yeah. It definitely comes into play, dark hair being evil, it definitely has an effect, but I think in its source, it was more the focus on the blonde symbolising light, because it would just be silly
2: if everyone had dark hair and was like, yeah, dark hair is evil. I always also end up thinking about kind of fair versus dark. Particularly, as as an antiquated beauty standard. Mm. Also, partly to be from the whole working outside and in the sunshine. And yes. That kind of classist yes. angle that you have less of because in this story, these two are explicitly princesses. Um, yeah. But I think it's something worth noting. Yeah. That that is a. a common explanation for it cropping up in
1: other stories. Um, Because we like say several times about how fair the younger one's skin is and Mm -hmm. um, the kind of, I had had the thing about it being, about being working versus not working and then I think there is a bit of the fact that because blemishes and dirt is so much more obvious on fair skin there's this Mm -hmm. idea that if someone's skin is very pale and flawless, then they're sort of uncorrupted and unblemished. The poet Sappho talks about Aphrodite's golden hair Mm -hmm. in a way that I thought was super relevant to just fairy tales and the way we talk about gold hair. Um, She says that since gold metal does not rust, Aphrodite's golden hair represents her freedom
2: from ritual pollution. Well. (laughs) Yeah. Um, wow. Well, I'd never heard that fragment of Sappho. Very yeah. nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's very often this recurring theme of uncorruptible, pure, metal, physical beauty, whatever. It's something that people really, really value and admire and place close to divinity and. You know, cleanliness is no close to godliness. We already have that as a phrase. Like it's, it's all there
1: baked into our. P- and then a bit in so that then you go to medieval Europe where long blonde hair is just the ideal. Mm-hmm. It's in mythology. It's in art, and stories are full of blonde-haired heroines. Mm-hmm. And in Tristan and Isolde, Tristan falls in love with Isolde after seeing just one lock of her blonde hair course he does uh, honestly <laughs> um and then blonde children were more likely to be captured by fairies and so were blonde women hmm. um which i have also now heard like more recently in like sort of folklore uh collections from um a few years ago i've read that being red hair. Red hair, people more likely to get captured. Mm-hmm. Um, but apparently in medieval times it was blonde hair. Um, and there was also a little thing about um, stories coming from Northern Europe where blonde hair is pretty common and they weren't really saying anything by having blonde heroes and heroines. And then those stories move to areas where blonde is less common and then it becomes associated with heroes and heroines.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was actually a note that I was going to bring up. So one of the things that I did quite a bit of reading for this one about was its origin. And generally that's pointed to being Norse or Scandinavian for this one. Um, There's some debate, which I guess we can get into a bit later. Um, But yes, it would be interesting that in... Scandinavia where you imagine blonde so much more common that would be such a significant thing but as we have seen from analysis looking at fairy tales before they were collected by the Grimm brothers and then afterwards and in subsequent retellings physical adjectives tend to be repeated more and more the further along the line you go mm. um, which also I'm sure if anyone played the game as kids were. You tell a story and then you try and the next person in the circle tries to remember it. Mm -hmm. There's always one or two things that you can remember really well and you repeat them several Mm -hmm. times and it just artificially increases. So there's plenty of internal and external explanation for the very basic and common juxtaposition of the good fair sister and
0: the evil Mm -hmm. dark sister. So I have a few just things about, um,
1: some little variations from the various versions of the ballad. Um, so we have the sister who is sometimes a knight, sometimes a squire. Um, he's called William, mostly, sometimes John. Mhm. Um, but also in, like, one version, I think it was one, just one, um, both sisters are in love with the miller's son. The one about them
2: being in love with the miller's son seemed to be an Irish variant Mm. if I'm remembering right because at least the version that I saw talked about them being in County Clare. But it's also interesting, I think, like if he's a knight it's because the two girls are sisters. If he's the miller's son Mm -hmm. they're just sisters, there's no reference to them being daughters of the king. Mm. Yeah. They're just girls. it's clear that there's a socio-economic aspect to who the suitor is and his position
1: in a few versions it was like the sort of gift giving was from the father instead of the suitors and um, it was sort of like the younger sisters always getting better gifts basically Mm -hmm. Um, and they kind of took the suitor out of the equation but um, I think the suitor was the most common one and he
2: sounds like a horrible man, very horrible um there's one, so the gifts that you have him giving are the ones that are repeated across most of the variants, which is very interesting and um i want, I was curious about say some of the the symbolism of these gifts that they were repeated so often. The main thing that I could find is that apparently giving someone a knife is bad luck. Because mm. it represents that you want to cut ties. Mm. Um, interesting, maybe he's doing it on purpose, maybe he's not. Mm. But the other time, like one other variant that I found in which he gives her a knife, he gives the oldest sister a knife uh, to threaten her life, <laughs> quite literally. <laughs> the, um, wow. Just about maintaining the rhyme. Um, he courted the eldest with a penknife and he vowed that he would take her life wow now the suitor in that tale very different to the ones in other tales and an even worse man than he is generally Um, but that I thought was a very interesting variation
1: yeah because what that particular rhyme the one that you see most often is brooch and knife but loved the youngest with all his life yeah so I wonder
2: um I wonder which is earlier. I think I usually have seen in people discussing and trying to work out earlier and later variants that usually things that are common it's because they all come from the same source mm. and changes tend to be coming in from a later retelling. Yeah. And the fact that there is only one Yes, that about does suggest. Murder that suggests to me that someone was like yeah. there has to be some kind of explanation for why a sister would kill a sister so yes. the suit is horrible and she feels in danger and so she's going to murder her sister which is a terrible plan how is that <laughs> going to save you he's, he's yeah. still going to murder you too he's not a nice person he's two timing you and your sister
1: I I started to wonder whether this was something about her This is the older sister, so he has to marry her because Mm. she is going to inherit everything. Um, But he's kind of in love with the youngest, and then this isn't really something that he can help because he has to court the oldest, even if he's in love with the youngest. Mm. Um, But then she does say when she's drowning that she has lands. So... mm. Yeah.
2: I was wondering that as well. As soon as you ask some questions um there's a few holes in this story which is almost always the case you can find holes in any story really yeah um and especially being a ballad it's quite short and light on detail um but yeah the the fact that he is still courting the older sister suggests that for some reason he has to
1: yeah Maybe that's just something that, um, at the time, people would hear that and they'd just be like, well, obviously he has to court the older sister. That makes complete sense.
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, whether it's an accurate representation or not is a different question. Mm -hmm. But at least in um, period novels and things, there's always explicitly or implicitly the implication that you have to marry the oldest daughter off before marry Mm. off the younger sisters um so it could be as simple as that and just another piece of marriage and
0: courting culture that we just don't really have anymore yeah in most versions it's a fully premeditated
1: murder. She clearly she invites her to the river to kill her and sometimes she suggests that she stands on the rock that she stands on in Oof. most versions. And the Oof. Cold, the worst bloodied. the worst one I found was um in one of them the youngest sister manages to grab onto a root in the bank and the mm. older sister bends down and pulls her fingers off it. And I was like,
2: ooh. Wow. <laughs> Chills. <laughs> Chills. I also, another horrible variant of how determined the sister is, I saw one where the younger sister t- survives until she is found by the miller and mm. the sister pays the miller gold rings Ooh. to finish the job. <laughs> and so he ensures that the younger sister actually drowns properly. Man. And I think the elder sister to be fair, I think she does pay him. I think she keeps her word. Mm-hmm. How much her word is worth once she's murdered her defenceless sister? You know. Yeah, <laughs> Interesting honour politics there. <laughs> I think there was maybe,
1: maybe one version where just the fiddler finds her, but I have. I feel like that's a version, but I have written that in all versions she always ends up at the mill. The ones that I could find. So I know you have something to say about this. I have. I also have.
2: (laughs) I have some things to say.
1: Well, I have. Well, apparently, droning in mill ponds was super common. Oh. As as a thing that happened. (laughs) Okay. Um, And then the variations on this part of the story are. Sometimes it's the miller that sees her and pulls her from the water and makes the fiddle from her body Mm. Um, Most times it's the fiddler that comes along afterwards and makes the fiddle Uh, In one version, she's alive when he pulls her from the water. He steals her golden ring and throws her back in Um, And then he hangs for her murder instead of the sister Mm -hmm. in one story uh, where the miller makes the fiddle the Fiddle's song damns him as well as the sister, um, and in some versions it's the miller's son who sees the woman in the water, but in most of the ones that I found it's the miller's daughter fetching water for bread. And in nearly every version that I read, um, the person who finds her says it's either a woman slash mermaid slash fish
2: or a milk white swan. You really should be able to tell the difference between a fish and a woman at first sight. Just size wise. (laughs) Mermaid and swan, I'll give you a free pass. Mm -hmm. But
1: fish! So I have some stuff about the general culture surrounding uh, mills and millers Mm -hmm. and uh, I got a lot of information from um, a guest lecture from Jeremy Hart on... The Folklore Podcast, uh, which is episode 44, Grind the Corn. Shout out to them, it was really good. The mills, apparently, were generally regarded as kind of supernatural places because it was kind of the first piece of automated machinery that people Mm -hmm, saw. mm -hmm. And it was extremely weird that it just worked by itself. And there's quite a lot of stories about um, people going... To a mill in the middle of the night when they're not supposed to be there and they find the fairies using it to grind corn. Um, so in medieval culture, there was a thing, um, I know that's like really broad, but (laughs) there was a thing about, um, people really didn't like it when someone provided a service instead of a tangible good. Mm. Um, they kind of saw it as stealing, so shopkeepers who bought items and then sold them for more were vilified and um so were lawyers and as, and so were millers because millers would operate by taking some of the flour as payment mm-hmm. and people very strongly considered this to be just theft version so i was saying versions where the miller is very evil probably came out of this sort of feeling mm. And then the feeling starts to change towards millers when they start charging a flat rate for their services instead of taking flour, and then they start to be bakers as well. And they stop being hated because they're no longer stealing, and they're producing something tangible. So we have that detail in the versions where the miller is nice, where the daughter is always coming out from baking bread, Mm -hmm. and the family is no longer portrayed negatively here. That's really interesting. And then I just have some of my thoughts about um, just the mill symbolically as, you know, like we've, we've kept it in here constantly for a reason, even if we're past the point in culture where we have this connection to millers so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just kind of thinking it's this semi-supernatural place of transformation.
0: Mm.
1: So we have kind of... Um, the miller takes the kind of power of the water to transform corn into flour. Um, The miller pulls the girl from the water and at the mill she's transformed into a musical instrument. Just the kind of constant, the constantness of the mill in a lot of versions um, made me feel like there's there's something that people really liked about this transformation taking place at the mill mm. when it's kind of not necessary the fiddler could just find her. I suppose then the question is how did the fiddler come about did Did the fiddler come about because we now need someone else to be evil instead of the miller because we don't we don't hate Millers anymore or did um or do or are the evil miller? variations um was the fiddler taken out and put back in i don't Mm -hmm. know because we were in a in a hating on miller's place (laughs) in our lives
2: (laughs) (laughs) that whole thing about the miller is really really interesting especially you saying why have him and a a fiddler because scandinavian versions have asked exactly the same question (laughs) and decided, yeah, you can do without the miller. seems to be overwhelmingly that the corpse is just washed up on the shore and found by minstrels who, depending on the story, make either a fiddle or a harp Mm. out of her body. And that to me is a, a very interesting twist, and I'll make sure that there's a link to the analysis that I read that I got most of this Scottish versus Scandinavian um, thinking from. Um, But this analysis suggests that actually the Scandinavian versions come earlier, Mm. because you don't need the mill. Mm -hmm. Like, it's easy to get rid of, it feels like it's something that you can add in. And. Then there is also, in this analysis, some thoughts about why sometimes you end up with them making a fiddle, and why sometimes you have them making a harp, Hmm. and in the long list of British variants you can also find both instruments. Usually it's a fiddle Hmm. in Scottish ones. Um, This person suggested... That it came from Scandinavia and that harps were less common so it eventually got corrupted into being a fiddle mm. so that was more familiar and easy to tell the story um, but that doesn't entirely convince me mm. partly because through time stories tend to lose characters because it mm-hmm. makes retellings easier
1: mm-hmm.
2: and also If the girls are princesses, Mm. a harp is already thought of as a more elegant musical instrument. I think usually you would want to keep the princess's body being made into a harp if you were Mm. pushing the elegance and femininity and beauty angle. Yeah. And you would maybe have the musicians making a fiddle once you've moved on, the girls aren't princesses, and you don't have a miller. So, the change needs to happen more quickly. Mm. So, in like a... the most
1: sanitized version I read was mm. the harpist simply stringing his harp with her hair, mm-hmm. um, which, like, yeah, maybe like someone would think of that, um, but I think there's something extremely visceral about her finger bones becoming fiddle pegs and the bridge Mm. of her nose becoming the bridge of a fiddle. There's something about that where I'm like, "Mm -hmm. someone really thought about this.
2: I think the bridge of the nose is so disturbing because to get that... But you have to cut away her face. You have to do some incredibly... Awful, yeah. deep surgical cutting for that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a horrible, horrible image. Yeah. In a way that, yeah, using her hair as string. Or even in, in the Scandinavian variants, actually, the musicians come along years later. Mm. So then making a harp, again, it's less visceral because she could well be bones by then already. Yeah. And they just make a a neat little frame and they're on their way. They're not even chopping up the bones to make fiddle pegs or anything. Mm-hmm. But
1: but we know that if this man managed to make strings out of her veins
2: he's he's got a full corpse. That's Yep, that's happening pretty immediately. Yeah. Um especially her veins still being blue. It's really horrifying
1: and, like, I like it and hate it at the same time. Because mm. it's like, it's such a powerful image. Yes. And such a horrifying image. <laughs> and then the music of the instrument revealing
2: how she died is just... yeah. <laughs> mm. So, uh, there's another folktale that I know of called The Singing Bone. Mm which is almost like a gender-flipped version, actually, of this story. Usually people say that it's Germanic. Um, It's two brothers. The older one kills the younger one while they're out boar hunting because whoever kills the boar gets to marry the princess of the neighboring kingdom because Mm. they're already princes. And then years later, a tree grows over the young prince's bones and somehow the tree talks to people um i think a shepherd maybe Mm. and the tree is like my brother killed me go tell the king (laughs) (laughs) and that's the end of the story um but it's very much the same principle of the bones reanimate something the injustice is discovered Mm. the murderer is is apprehended brought to justice i mean there's a lot of things that can be said about the fiddler slash harpist who's doing all of this. But especially that supernatural variant that the body has to be transmuted Mm -hmm. to be able to talk about the murder and um, conclude the story. Mm -hmm. Uh, It made me wonder, in a way, if we're trying to Say something about who this fiddler is, that he has this key hmm. position. Almost the same as we mentioned in Rashikotes actually, the idea of this supernatural creature, this fairy godmother, this person who seems to know how the tale has to go. Yes. And fulfills this unique, usually semi magical or entirely magical role and does something impossible mm-hmm. to allow your story to have a conclusion. Yeah. Now, that's a very nice way of interpreting <laughs> what he does. Yeah. Other people interpret a very horrible um yeah. beauty and death combined especially with the gender lens which has merit for sure and I'm sure we'll discuss a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, it just interested yeah. me this idea that this fair fiddler we have stories of pied pipers, we already have mm-hmm. this idea of magic yeah. and music
1: well there was, I felt there was definitely there's a few attempts to make him seem to kind of key us into the fact that he's not supposed to be a bad guy mm. um, which I think was just on a few occasions describing him as fair and on one occasion describing him as blind oh um and in some some versions um, her ghost speaks to him and tells him to do this but he's very much, his role in the story is that of the magical helper in a very grim um, way in a a kind of like you know, it'd be nice if he'd uh, appeared
2: while she was alive, but (laughs) very much so Um, it would also be nice uh, if more of the variants had her ghost explicitly saying hey, I know what will work. I can't go as a ghost. You're gonna have to take me in a musical instrument to go mm. and accuse my sister. Um, I think that would help a lot of the unsavoury implications of a man happening across a woman's body and chopping it up to make an instrument. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's shockingly messed up
1: yeah but i i wonder if there's a little lingering feeling about um kind of the place of bards in Mm. kind of the celtic world and um they were they had so much power and influence that if they insulted Mm -hmm. a king in one of their songs the king was pretty much dead he was out um and i incredible i wonder if this supernatural quality to the fiddler is kind of carrying on that same tradition
2: yeah and it would make sense if it did we know that our
0: memory works so much better when things are put to song So it appears a lot where there's this
1: um, weird moment where they can't see her pretty this because it's covered by her incredible, golden, amazing clothing item. And... (laughs) What? (laughs) (laughs) Uh Yeah, yeah, that's about the feeling. One of the glaring things is the fact that we choose this moment to go into the detail about really like what exactly what she looks like and exactly what she's wearing not when she's introduced and we say she, she's she got um, blonde hair and she's fair skinned mm-hmm. it's this moment when she's being pulled from the water drowned where we're like oh but look at her
2: yeah and we emphasize just how pretty and desirable she is I will say that it could also definitely be linked to the whole um the way people talk about and the death of young people mm. um so you see it with um, cult like cults around James Dean the things people mm-hmm. say about Heath Ledger about Kurt Cobain that whole idea of this young beautiful tragic death definitely i think that's absolutely feeding into it yeah but i think also the difference between being framed like this and then still having to be some made into something beautiful versus Mm -hmm. singing bone where the body is just left to rest and then becomes a tree yeah and there's clearly no almost camera zoom in on how pretty the dead boy is. Like yes. no. We're not interested in that. We only do that about dead girls usually.
1: Yeah. It's definitely a moment of trying to emphasize what was lost. Mm. Um But it's it's very strange. Um, like it's prevented it's presented Quite strangely, it's it's quite Sleeping Beauty esque. It's like she's made more beautiful by her unavailability.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Her
1: unavailability being that she's dead.
2: <sighs> yeah, it feels, and I'm not sure that there's exactly a word for this feeling, but it's it's the sensation I get when you look at the Pre Raphaelite paintings of the dead Ophelia. And things like that. And sure, there's, you said, the the tragedy and the emphasising what was lost and didn't have to be lost. And the injustice. But there's definitely some voyeuristic thing going
1: on. There's something about her helplessness. Her her inability to um, stop people looking. But also her inability to
2: reciprocate any. Yes, it's like Pygmalion as well, falling in love with a statue. Yeah. It's that whole principle. I just thought of this,
1: I've not researched it, um, but there's maybe something about um, coming out of the water and being reborn is a thing. Yes, Um yeah. So there's certainly something about a kind of warping of that rebirth that is very sinister and very tragic and then obviously then she then is now in the place of transformation and is sort of transformed and reborn again as a musical instrument in a way we
2: we rectify the mist link and we pick it up Um, I was also wondering the emphasis of the gold and gold and silver Mm -hmm. um could these be gifts from William? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Could this be a very, very subtext, maybe lost through the ages, who knows, uh, idea of, again, the the worth people think that she has, what they thought she was worth being mm. given when she was alive. Again, the whole idea of this is what's been lost, this yeah. love, this care, this adornment.
1: Yeah. You know, maybe, William, uh, she wouldn't have drowned if she wasn't
2: weighed down (laughs) by 50 necklaces. (laughs) Maybe if she could kick her lily-white feet, if she didn't have these clunky silver shoes on, Will should still be alive. Congrats, you killed your girlfriend.
1: (laughs) I hadn't thought that this was maybe what it was saying, but it was true that um, in the past... Drowning was a really big deal because Mm. the clothes people wore, wore, so many layers, so heavy, and they sucked up
2: the water like wool. Sucked it up instantly, and they drowned. There could easily be all of these different layers and aspects of it built into it because we know a lot of tales fulfill a cautionary Cautionary aspect Mm. Um, So yeah, the girl was beautiful, but she was dead. Don't go and play in the river
1: hmm Personally, I would like the moral to be, don't mutilate a corpse and turn it into a musical instrument, but unfortunately, we seem to be saying, actually, do that. Um, police all around the world are messing up, because if only they turned the body into a musical instrument,
0: they'd solve this murder a lot quicker. <laughs> so, okay, well... Just to be clear, that was a joke. The, the Scandinavian stories go into saying how they kill the
2: older sister after this happens. Even on her wedding day, they're still like, well, you're going down. Sometimes, I think sometimes she's burned alive, which is really gross. Wow. Sometimes she's, she's just beheaded. She's just <laughs> stabbed, <laughs> just killed in a normal way. Um, and I suppose you could say that that's, that kind of resolution is implied. From Mm. the ending that you have, Uh, and the ending that most of the the British variants have that all end here. Mm. But I thought it was interesting that overwhelmingly the Scandinavian versions explicitly have a punishment Mm. and a moral in them. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, again, it makes the potential origin of the story very messy. Yeah. Because I think you tend to think of a complete resolution like that as... Something that you have to have. Yeah. But... Yeah, I feel
1: like the... The dramatic ending of just cutting it off and sort of leaving us with, well, you know that this has happened in front of the whole court, you can put it together, mm-hmm. you, know, you know what's happened now, you have all the resolution
2: you need, mm-hmm. feels quite modern. Yeah. Um... It, it strikes me as weird but and as I as I briefly mentioned the fact that the punishments all seem to vary mm. does that mean it was added on and people were like "Oh, actually I would like to drive home the mm-hmm. fact that there absolutely are consequences for this um, mm. but it happened late enough in the story's genesis that everyone came up with a slightly different idea of how that would happen I don't know, um, I find yeah. this whole trying to trace the story thing super fascinating, yeah, but it's impossible to do with any kind of certainty,
1: yeah, I mean, there is a kind of balance to ending the story on the fiddle song because there's kind of an implication that the fiddle is recounting what we have just read, um. Or heard, and um, I particularly like um, Julie Fowlis has um, a song based on uh, this ballad, and the song I think is called um, Wind and Rain. And throughout the song, "Oh, the dreadful wind and rain" repeats as a line, and mm-hmm. then the song kind of finishes on. But the only tune that the fiddle would play was "Oh, the dreadful wind and rain." And I feel like that really emphasises the the cycle of we're now, like, this is the song that we have just heard is now being played on the fiddle. And Mm -hmm. if this is a ballad that has tunes that go along with it, then there's this feeling of the song I'm hearing is the song that the fiddle in the story played. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
2: you're in the story. Mm -hmm. That actually needs beautifully... (laughs) to the next little thing I was going to say. So the British ones are ballads. The Scandinavian ones are told in prose. Mm. So that would explain why they feel like they have to add more to the ending of the story, Mm -hmm. because it doesn't already have this really elegant, cyclical ending baked into it Mm. from its form. Mm and I feel like that makes it more convincing to me that it originated here.
0: Yeah. Because I
2: think keeping a complicated structure of a ballad through languages, yes. you wouldn't do it. You would make it prose.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, That's my personal opinion. I can't back up on that at all. That just happened yeah. right here. In but
1: you, you can't imagine if the story is spreading and it's a ballad, whoever is sharing this story... They translate it, it's no longer
2: a ballad. It's in thing, one move, it's no longer a ballad. Eventually, like, it becomes way too difficult to try and keep the scansion, the tune, the phrasing, the rhyming. Hmm. No way, you're a story now.
1: I think I buy that it originates here. Especially just the fact that there's versions of it in every country in Britain, basically.
2: Mm. Yes, and they're all
1: ballads. I I think. Think. Yeah, and it's... And it's like the general, um, consensus seems to be it's sort of from, um, it's from Scotland, but sometimes it says Northumbria and it's just kind of, that, Mm -hmm. kind of the center of the island, that border, which then you can imagine it then spreading out from there across to other parts of Scotland, to Ireland, to London.
2: Yes. Yeah. easily trade Mm
1: -hmm. and then I suppose there's also like um, if we're talking the east coast then definitely Vikings there so then you can say either they brought it or they got it
2: that's the thing it's we know that there are plenty of links between Scotland and the northern countries so I think a lot of Folktales would be present in both places, and that it will be incredibly hard to judge which came first. Yeah. Especially because I think stories can end up in very similar places but not necessarily have been linked. Mm -hmm. The kind of convergent evolution aspect.
1: Yeah. It's a really interesting one with all that is going on in it.
2: Yeah, and also the whole concept of a murder ballad mm-hmm. wasn't actually something I had heard of before. I didn't yeah. know about it, um, but it does... It has its own Wikipedia page, you know? <laughs> that tells you everything you need to know about its legitimacy. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, it's a dark one, but mm. I, I, yeah, I really like it. It's really interesting. and I think that there's... A lot of meat to the story.
1: <laughs> I feel like we've done a good job in stripping it down to the bare bones.
2: <laughs> I think that that's the end of the episode. I think that's the end. Before we descend into <laughs> even more body horror puns. Um, yeah, so thank you for listening.
1: Just, thank you for listening. <laughs>
2: The Folklore Scotland podcast is brought to you by Folklore Scotland, the charity that tells the tales of the past with the technology of today. You can visit our website at folklorescotland.com. If you're keen to become a voluntary contributor or would like to get in touch, send us an email at info at You can also find all of our social media links and a complete list of sources for today's topics in the show notes. Your hosts this week were Rosie and Cathy, and many thanks to Lindley for providing stunning artwork for this episode. Next week you can look forward to another Campfire Tales story and the following week we return to the Cranog for a panel discussion on monsters. Thanks for listening and we'll see you then.